Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick along here with Kirstie Miles, and we are talking about creeping to pre-walking. Is that correct, Kirstie? It is. It is. And if you've listened to other podcasts um, where we've moved from sitting to creeping, you'll realize that Hayden's world got rocked when Mm -hmm. she learned what creeping is and how it's different than crawling. (laughs) So just to revisit that, creeping (laughs) is when you're up on all fours, tummy is off the ground. So crawling, think more of a commando crawl where they're using their forearms and their belly stays on the floor to go forward. So my oldest never did creep. He just did what the definition you're giving me is of crawling. I called it commando crawling, but he just Mm -hmm. crawled and he never did creep. He went from commando crawling to walking. And now back in the day, I didn't know any better. This was a long time ago because now he's old. But back in the day, I was like, oh, look, he's walking so early. That's awesome. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, he never did creep. Ah, that's a problem. (laughs) Well, and he had some shoulder stuff. He did. He had a brachial plexus injury when he was born, and I didn't have any sense to know that he needed to do all that stuff. But now I know, and I'm much better for it. See, look what I learned from my little person, but or big person (laughs) now. But he never did. But he did miss. So I can just sort of blame anything that might, you know, any adult issues he have. Surely it's not. He didn't creep. Yes, not from my parenting. It's because he didn't creep. You know, it's certainly not because I didn't have a clue what I was doing with that kid. And I call him my guinea pig kid. It certainly isn't that. It's just because he's a creep. No, no, none of that. So anyway, bless his little heart. He was my, he's what I call my guinea pig kid, but because he's the number one and who knows what they're doing with the first kid. You're just, you're just praying and creeping your fingers crossed every day. And please, Lord, let him get out of this unscathed. Anyway. So, but tell us about creep and do pre-walking. So, I think it's really important, you know, when children go through kind of those typical stages of development and they're typically developing, it all just seems to happen so quickly that they crawl on their tummy and they're pivoting around and all of a sudden they're crawling one day, creeping one day up on all fours and then, oh my gosh, before you know it, they pulled up on the coffee table and they're walking around it and, oh, look, they took their first steps. It all just kind of happens and I think sometimes... If you're not in the field of physical therapy or motor therapy or speech therapist working with physical therapists, you don't always know some of those steps that happen before walking because typically without intervention, it just happens so quickly. Right. Hmm. So we're just going to break down a couple of steps that can happen before they take independent steps, before they're a walker, just to kind of draw awareness to different stages of development. And a child can get hung up in any one of these stages, these creeping to pre-walking skills for a number of reasons. You know, it could be motor planning, it could be strength, it could be confidence. You see sometimes children are, if they've got any vestibular components or gravitational insecurity that getting them up off the ground, they're a little more fearful and timid. So there could be a number of reasons why they hang out in any one of these stages a little bit longer. Ah, okay. That's interesting. I didn't really know that. Well, I mean, you're staying closer to the ground. Yes. 
That makes and sense. As you say, more yeah, steady. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think once we get to talking a little bit about being up on their feet and give you some different ideas and interventions to you to work on that. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. When you're teaching creeping, we talk about they're up on their hands and knees. They have the upper extremity strength now to push up onto all fours and they start rocking. And typically I'm like, row, row, row your boat, you know, singing. I don't, I'm not going to sing on here because I've already been warned. Do it. I think you should. <laughs> Please. We all want to hear you sing. <laughs> no, no. My husband usually in the car is like, who sings that? Yeah, let's keep it that way. Like, <laughs> well, you know what? You should just say your gifts lie in other areas, right? Not. Not singing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. So I won't embarrass myself. But once they start creeping, we talk about the importance of movement and early mobility because that's how children explore their environment. That's how they gain depth perception. That's how they gain vision and visual acuity and figure ground all through movement. So it's so important to help kids get early mobility. And once they are creeping, it's to get somewhere. It's to get to mom, it's to get to dad, it's to get to a toy. And then they have to be able to transition back to sitting because they creep there. Now they got to sit to play with what they found, (laughs) you know, whether it be the remote control or the magazine that they're going to shred apart, something, they got something that they wanted. (laughs) So the whole point of mobility and creeping is exploration. I always like to add to creeping is really important. We talked about this in a previous podcast about that vestibular input when they're creeping, their head's in a different plane, all those little inner ear crystals are being moved in different planes of motion and then you're having to look to the side and look up and all when you're creeping, which a lot of kids today are on iPads and are having a lot of screen time and that head is not moving and they're in a car looking at a monitor in the van or the truck. We have kids in cars for long times. We're on the go as a society and they're not looking outside to see the trees and the play the license plate game or, you know, whatever games we played when we were in the car. So there's a lot less head movement. So again, creeping is so important for that vestibular movement too. Well, and if you think about kiddos who, you know, have maybe just babies who are born prematurely or maybe a child who maybe had a small stroke during birth, you know, if they had traumatic birth or something, or a child who is visually impaired or hearing impaired or any kind of impairment kind of thing, it could easily get in the way of all that stuff that you just said, because visually impaired kids don't tend to roll upside down and you know, there's really no visual incentive to do that. And kids who maybe have some one-sided weakness, it's hard for them to do that. So they're not going to do it. Or maybe also a kid who just has severe reflux. They might not want to do that either. Might be painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once the child is creeping, the next step is creeping to a surface, creeping to the coffee table, to the sofa, because there's the remote controls up on the sofa and they want to grab that and sit down and play with it. (laughs) You know, cause effect, it's going to turn on something loud or, you know, it's all part of that cause effect process and learning, but they have to get there. They have to creep there. They have to reach up. They have to weight shift, reach up with one arm, hold on. They have to be able to walk their knees in, hold that tall kneel. Now they have to have glute strength and core strength to be able to hold their body up off the surface. So you go from creeping to pulling up to tall kneel. Then they again have to be able to weight shift 
get off of one foot to bring a foot up into half kneel. Then they have to be able to use their strength, use their upper body strength and lower body strength and push to stand. Hayden, I know you've seen kids in the clinic that they get to a support and then they pull up almost like they're using all their upper body to pull up on the surface and they don't even bring one leg up. They just come up on their toes. They come up over both legs, like they almost just pop up. Hmm. Yes. So they're not disassociating the right and left side of the body. Hmm. which is not working the brain, you know, the way Hmm. the brain likes to work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's going to carry over to some walking difficulties because we bring one leg and then the other when we're walking. And so already they're not starting to disassociate those lower extremities. So we work Hmm. on going from tall kneel to half kneel pulling up to stand and not just pulling up with our arms, but really using the legs to come up to standing. And then a lot of times you're using something motivating. I love Mardi Gras beads. Like I think every child goes after Mardi Gras beads. And I love anything when you go into a home visit too that you can put in your pocket, like bubbles, Mardi Gras beads. Like those are my go-tos. I've done other podcasts about that. But Mardi Gras beads, every child goes after them. <laughs> I just need something shiny. <laughs> yeah, Kiersey's the most of the least amount of baggage carrying person I've ever met. But you have lots of stuff in your pockets and like and, and all that kind of stuff. But I've got big old honking bags and you've just got like, here, look, this is therapy in my pocket. I'm like, what? What's happening here right now? That's the dumbest. What I don't is that an option? <laughs> like you got a, a small thing of bubble stuff in your pocket, pocket full of Mardi Gras beads. If you have all scrub pants, now scrub pants are a fair. It's not like that's like a purse in your pants, you know, well, you know like on your pants. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because I was just talking to somebody. There, there. This is a complete side note, but it just describes who I am because I have enough responsibility all day long. I don't even like to carry around a purse just because it's one more thing that I have to keep up with, and I have two tiny humans that I have to keep up with and all their stuff to keep up with my own stuff. I'm like, ah, I have to keep up with everybody else's stuff. That's right. Mine's hard enough. But I was telling them when my husband and I, we do these crazy obstacle course races, but usually like I don't carry anything on me. When we get done a race, I have to pull trash out of my pants and I have gloves shoved everywhere in my clothing and because I don't like to carry anything. There you go. See, it's, 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 it's just, <laughs> And it just carries over to every it's aspect permeated of my life. all areas of your life. That's what's happened. Anyway, so, so I love Mardi Gras beads. There you go. Put them in your pocket. Kids love them. They're shiny. So the next step is then they're standing. They're standing at the support for play. Again, they've got to be standing. They've got to firing their glutes. Their core has to be firing. We're looking for them not to lean on the surface, but really be able to control their body. So when we're talking about that child that's timid, they're going to be all up on the surface. They're leaning on the surface. They're not coming away from it because they're not really confident in their abilities yet. So we're, we're trying to gain that confidence, having them reaching for something and coming away from that support. Again, I those Mardi Gras beads are motivating. And then the next step to pre-walking is cruising. So they're holding onto the furniture, the couch, the coffee table, and they have to shift their weight to one side, de-weight the limb that they're going to move, and then sidestep along Mm -hmm. the furniture. And I'm just going to throw in some good old-fashioned billing codes, but that's neuromuscular re-ed because they're not going to learn that on their own. You're going to have to take and facilitate from the hip. So imagine you're holding the hips of a child who's facing away from you because they're holding onto the furniture, and I want to move their right leg to the right. So I am going to take and shift their body weight over to their left foot, take and tilt their hips down to the left so I can clear their right limb and then put it back down. Hmm. But I'm physically having to shift their body through that 
that because they don't know how to do that movement. So as a PT, I'm laying those neuro pathways through neuromuscular re-education to get them to cruise. I've seen some kids who end up later having like a some type of diagnosis of some kind of like some neurologic something like they kind of end up sort of looking like a hemi if they're, I don't know if they had a stroke of birth or something. Anyway, they're doing a thing where they're walking and they lock out one of their legs. So their left leg's moving like it looks like it's supposed to. And then their right, for example, they lock their knee out and then they take another step and they lock their knee out. Would that be like some one side of weakness because they didn't really build like what you're talking about now? It could be. Yeah. It could be weakness. It could be for a lot of things. It could be that they lack confidence, and mm-hmm. but most likely it's probably weakness. But So it's kind of like the strength in both sides of the body, that dissociated movement and that kind of thing. Is that mm-hmm, what kind of? Mm-hmm. And part of just like that motor planning of it. If they mm-hmm. lack the strength and the motor planning to do it, right. that could be a reason that they're locking out too. Okay. I'm tracking with you. So they're working on cruising and you're having a weight shift and then they start getting the ability to cruise down the furniture. The next step is then bridging. So can they go from the couch to the coffee table. And a lot of what we come in as therapists to do is to draw awareness to these pre-walking skills so that the parent can then set up the environment at home. So a lot of times I'm like, do you have a coffee table? If you don't have a coffee table, do you have an ottoman? Do you have, can we take a toy and put it next to the couch, get a 90 degree angle so they have to hold onto the couch and then grab onto that and then move to that? So a lot of it is just opportunities and environmental setup Mm -hmm. so that you can, again, gain that confidence in cruising to bridging. Another way that I build confidence, I'll put their back up against the wall. So they don't have anything visually in front of them. And I'll usually bubbles is my go-to for this one. And I'll blow bubbles and then I'll hold the wand just far enough out where in order for them to reach, their back is going to come have to come off the wall. So they're instantaneously standing just for a second. <laughs> I mean, that's one way that I build confidence with independent standing. So you move from cruising and bridging to starting to gain some independent standing. A lot of times children are not standing first. They're just moving and walking. They don't have the ability to be still. That's where you Mm. see them start walking and they fall down. But Uh, these are all things that you can work on and build up to before you have a walker. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. You know, you don't see a lot of early walkers standing there, do you? No. When they go, they're gone. And then they usually walk to something. So they're walking to the couch or the coffee table and that stops them. (laughs) So it's like a kind of like a controlled walking fall. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they look like. It's the laws of motion. I'm in motion until something comes and stops me. (laughs) That's exactly. Yeah. There you go. You could teach a physics class with a little girl, a little boy, the person that's walking, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm sure they get more complicated than that nowadays. So anyway. I, I actually love this stage of development. Obviously, I get real riled up about it because I think it's such a fun stage. And I think it's so, when you're working with a parent, their eyes just light up when their child starts to walk, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, they're walking, which little do they know now they're into a hundred more things. <laughs> 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 but I think it's really fun to kind of take them through those pre-walking stages and just watch a child's confidence build and then get to that walking. Well, I think you brought up a lot of good points too. And when you're right, you said at the beginning, when it just happens naturally, it's just so fast. You take for granted all the little stuff that has to happen in there. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't and you start to break it down, it's very complicated. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? Well, I think it is, but I'm a PT, so I'm like all about it. <laughs> I think it's fascinating too. I like to hear you talk about it. I do think you do have children that are timid, but you also have some that just completely lack safety awareness. And so I think it's really important that as you're going through each of these stages from creeping to pre-walking, that you're not 
constantly on top of them, making sure that they don't fall. Hayden, you've worked with me long enough to know that I'm going to let a child fall as long as they're not going to hit their head. I'm going to let them startle enough if they're one of those children that lacks safety awareness because they need to learn that there's a consequence for their action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I might let them fall enough to startle, but I'm not going to let them get hurt. If you don't let them do that a little bit, I mean, it's good learning, right? I think so. I mean, I think it's really important for children to learn the consequences of if I dive face forward off this couch, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, again, not letting them fall and get hurt, but enough to startle them. Right. I think it's good for their language and their interaction with the world and people and objects too, from a speech therapist perspective. I think it's good because it like lets them know that what their bodies do affects other things and will be affected by other things. I think that's positive, actually. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to let them fall and hit their head. I think it's really important just to know as a, as a PT, all those stages, we go from creeping and all of a sudden we're walking. There's a lot that happens in between and that's where your skill set comes in as a PT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So I think, too, there can be other factors that affect the ability to get from creeping to kneeling to standing. Have you ever seen the child where you go to put them down on the floor and they pull their feet up off the ground? Don't put me down. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, sometimes those children, there's a sensory component to it, too. And there's that tactile defensiveness where, you know, they don't want their feet touching anything. So then we have to go in and do all of this desensitization with a lot of times for homework, I'll be like, Mom, do you use lotion after bath? Do you use a washcloth? Can you use different textures of washcloths on the bottom of their feet when you give them a bath? All of these other things that go into, I need to be able to get this child to tolerate putting their feet on the ground. So that's a whole nother aside, but if we're talking about getting from creeping to pre-walking and they're not putting their feet down, we could do a whole nother podcast on that. That is a whole nother podcast. That got me thinking. I like it. So stay tuned. That one will be coming. Yeah, that one will be coming. That's a great one. Definitely. All right. Because we have to do that a lot. Yeah. I mean, all the time. I see that as you're talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, definitely. That's a great podcast. All right. Well, stay tuned to that, which also brings me to on our Working Therapist podcast, we have a contact space up there. If you like to contact us, we get a lot of emails about what people like and what they'd like to hear more about. And sometimes our ideas come from that. So send us an email and we'll get right back to you. We like to hear about from people. So thank you, Kiersey. That was great. Creeping to pre-walking. Well, no, she had him walking. So anyway, thank you, Kiersey. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody else, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 